When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Project Big Picture. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of this season's Real Football Cast. As always, I'm your host Dan Tracy and in the next 60 minutes we'll be dissecting all the hot topics in football. As per usual, we'll be discussing what's been going on in the Premier League over the past few days, while in addition to that there are also some off-pitch activities that have caught our eye and they'll be getting our attention in the next hour. It's not been another incredible week of football, but this week we've once again got a full house. That means leading the line and wearing the captain's armband is Carl. So, Carl, how have you been since we spoke two weeks ago? Yeah, really good, thanks, Dan. You know, we better pick up in form for Spurs. Uh, unfortunately, the international break has, has broken that up, but it, we've still got lots to talk about. So, looking forward to getting into this one, mate. Top man. Also, you're joined by Fulham fan Matthew. Matthew, I hope all is well. And how have you been this past week? Uh, not been too bad. Good to have international football back on the agenda. Um, gives me a little bit of a rest from the boring monotony that is Fulham losing every week. <laughs> so, and then I get the boring monotony of uh, Republic of Ireland nil, Wales nil, which is one of the worst games that I've ever seen. So, but I, I'm still happy because we've got Bulgaria coming up tomorrow night, so it should should still be interesting. And of course, last but not least, is Palace fan Max. Max, it's a pleasure as always. And how have things been with you, mate? Yeah, thanks very much. I, I've been pretty good. I've been pretty good. I went on a little domestic trip to Brighton, which was excellent, apart from the football team. But yeah, the, <laughs> I enjoyed it there and I'm glad to be back. Well, it's Palace Brighton this weekend, isn't it? So next week's show, I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about on that basis. But before we talk about our big topics this week, I need to go into the social media bits. Otherwise, I'll be talking into the abyss once more. So first, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter, at Dan Tracy, 1983. Also, the podcast has its own account, which is at Real Football Pod. If you want to become a shareholder, all you need to do is follow and join our very elite members club. You can find me via iTunes by searching for Real Football Cast. If you use that platform, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if you like us, leave a review so we move up the league table. And if you're not a fan of all things Apple, you can find me on SoundCloud and Audio Boom. While the easiest way to find all the links is by going to realfootballcast.com. Right then, it's time to go 
live. And where should we go first? To be honest, Matthew, I think we need to start with you and get the DCL England Kazoo out of the way because there are far more pressing issues to come in this show. So, Matthew, the floor is yours. Um, I can only think of one way to sort of start the show off, and that's with this. There should be no kazoo from me because <laughs> I wanted the kazoo to be a, a, you know, just for him to get the get the acknowledgement that he deserves to be in the England squad. I did not then expect him to go and start and score against my beloved Wales. So from now on, the uh, Dom the Dominic Calvert Lewin kazoo shall be no more. I will gladly bring it back for the likes of Jamie Vardy, who I feel deserves who I feel deserves it. I will bring it back for Dan Byrne, who I feel deserves it. Uh, but for Dominic Calvert Lewin, because of he because he wrecked my hopes and dreams of us beating England for the first time since the late eighties, there should be no Dominic Calvert Lewin kazoo anymore. Okay, so Matthew's withholding kazoo. A bit, a bit controversial. I didn't have that in mind, but that is the, the lie of the land in terms of international football. And that's that discussion out of the way. It's done. Because we need, need to talk about much more pressing matters off the pitch. And it involves the Premier League in two headlines. The first, indirectly. The second, directly. So, Carl, I'll start with you. Because at the weekend, it seems as if Liverpool and Man United are looking to make, shall we say, a land grab for the Premier League in the way of Project Big Picture. Now, they're painting themselves as the saviours but in a sense, that's not what it all seems. Yeah, I think this is um, this is one. This reminds me of when the Premier League was formed, wasn't it? And you know, the few clubs got together and suddenly realised there was some serious money to be made here, um, and then went about, as you say, persuading others to kind of join them. And you know, thankfully now, you know, we've we've got the spectacle that is the Premier League. Um, but as you say, Dan, I think this is you know the, the, these big six or the big few that are trying to do this, I think they're, you know, sending it out as a rescue package to try and get everyone on side. But I think that rescue package should have stamped on the side of it in big letters. This is a massive power grab. Um, and and we will want to try and get ourselves and manoeuvre ourselves in a position to be able to run football and suddenly make the decisions that suit us. But, I think the way they've done it is very clever because I think you'll have a lot of EFL clubs um, who are seeing the money that's on offer and the money that might potentially come to them. And as we know, you know, most EFL clubs are not run particularly well. And I think a few of those owners may be more than prepared to just say, listen, if I'm going to get some money, I'll happily sign up to this, whether it's the right thing going forward or not. But this is the worry, isn't it? It is a rescue package, but it's more of a power grab. Well, Matthew, that brings you on to the next point, the EFL, because they are quoted to be receiving £250 million in a sort of salvation funding element. Now, obviously, when you quote a figure such as this, you've got clubs scrabbling around for, for pennies at the lower end of the level, and it's going to be in the headlights. Wow, yes, we'll have it. So it's a winner for them, and I guess it all depends on what side of the, the fence you're sitting on. For the EFL, it is almost too good to turn down. You, you think that, and uh, someone... It, it really is the case of how much are we willing to sacrifice in order to in order to get this? Because whilst you are getting, you know, the two hundred and fifty million pounds bang straight away now, divide up against the clubs, you've got to think about what else it's it's going to entail. Like I know I've got the list of the proposals in here. They're getting rid of the League Cup as part of that. So whilst you may get, you know, what's two hundred and fifty million divided by seventy two, I think that's about four million pounds each. Give or take. If my maths is right. Yeah. Yeah, give or take. Four million pound right now, but you think how much is the how much revenue does the League Cup make for each club every year? I'm sure for clubs lower down the leagues, you know, last year for instance when Salford had their first League Cup game, they got Leeds United at home. 
you know, that that's probably going to bring in about, you know, about a million pounds when you think about it, ticket, the game was on Sky, all that sort of stuff. So is it really worth it now for the long term, for the long term future? I think that's what each club has really got to, has really got to think about it. The big, the big clubs in the championship say, will probably say no, because they'll know they can get, they, they can get that money back within one promotion to the Premier League. So the likes of Derby, for instance, Watford, you know, all the teams that recently got relegated, Norwich, they're more they're more likely going to say no because they think we we won't get this money, but we'll get the big money further down the line. But all those clubs in like League One and League Two, you know, I just saw Stevenage pop up on Sky Sports News, a club like them who were nearly out of the football league last year, they're probably going to be the ones to think four million pounds. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to take it. Otherwise, we don't have a future. So I think this is really going to be something that's going to be settled on a club-by-club club basis. So, Max, in terms of this plan, I think it's fair to say that Liverpool Man United have smelt blood, haven't they? But at the same time, English football finance in its current guise is not a COVID-unique situation. It's not been brought on simply because of this pandemic. It has been accelerated by it, though. So is this the perfect fertile ground for dramatic change? You know what? That, that, that's an inter- interesting point, and you're right completely in that the fact that um, it's not only because of COVID that that, that that's brought this on completely. It's just exacerbated the situation, as you say. You know, for a long time, clubs nearer the bottom have been kind of slowly uh, dying a death, and this is just accelerating that process. And and Jonathan Liu, the the, the Guardian writer, made a really made a really good point. He said. You know, it is a really, really good chance now, fertile ground, as you say, to to make changes to the system, and 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 rugby has been doing that a lot. They've been making a lot of changes with you know tier one and tier two, tier two nations, basically based on the shake up to the calendar that the COVID crisis has has caused. And so I do agree, it is a good chance for us to change certain things about football. For example. The commitment to to away fans, you know, capping away prices at 20 quid, um, looking into safe standing, uh, investment in stadium infrastructure and all of that stuff. And I'm not saying every single idea in Project Big Picture is, is a good idea, but there is some there is some stuff that we can use and that we can and that we can definitely take up going forward. However, it feels like a massively opportunistic, cynical move to capitalise on the existing chaos and for big clubs to kind of feather their own already padded nests. And they're just using this as an excuse, as a, as a chance to do that, knowing that clubs nearer the bottom of the pyramid are desperate, desperate for money. And 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 Jonathan Liu um, likened it to, to giving a dying man, a drowning man, a life jacket in return for his right to vote. You know, that you're making a deal with the devil and... I'm I'm a fan of using this time for for positive change and and you you know introducing some of the proposals that I just mentioned but it is very very hard to see it as anything other than opportunistic and cynical and money grabbing and power grabbing from the big clubs and I hope I hope that clubs see through that. So Carl this change it comes with cutting the Premier League down to 18 teams. Now this will always be sold as a benefit to the England team but if we fast forward to 2024, if the big, big teams get their way, the Champions League is going to get even bigger. So already that benefit's lost because they're playing more games, just not in sort of Premier League colours. Yeah, I think, like as you say, again, you know, it's one of them that 
it is kind of trying to be disguised, but the reality is the bigger sides just want less Premier League games so that they can focus on the bigger the bigger tournaments and, and the bigger fish. Um, when you said forward, forward to 24, Dan, um, I wondered whether you were going to say there about a European Super League having been created by that time, because I think that's possibly going to be the next step after this, isn't it, at some point? You know, I, I still think at some some point one day, we may see a European Super League formed, um, which is almost like a Champions League, but but runs on a full season basis between those big clubs across uh, across all of Europe. Um, but you're right, you know, it, it's going to be designed as a way to help the England team and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But the reality is the bigger sides just want to be able to focus on the bigger trophies. And this gives them potentially a couple less fixtures each season and gives them more time to focus on their priorities um, over anything else. So, yeah, I think lots of stuff in this are, are, are kind of, you know, nicely disguised, but but we know the real reality probably behind what's being put forward here. Well, that was going to be my next point to Matthew, a European Super League, because this is always rearing its head once or twice a year, a threat. It's almost sort of used as a bargaining chip by the ECA in terms of, you know, give us what we want or we are going to break away. If this project gets signed off, as Carl's alluded to, is that the first genuine step to a European Super League, say, three, four years from now? I think it is, because if you look at the way the, the voting structure will go, because one of, the, you know, one of the points I want to talk about is, at the moment in the Premier League, it takes 14 clubs to sort of, to sort of pass any sort of measure. And with this, you know, the money, the, the voting power will go to those big clubs that you think would be associated. So essentially... There will come a point where we'll say, right, lads, who wants to, you know, permission to leave? And then they'll need like six votes in order in order to leave. Those six clubs will put their hands up and that will be it. So I think it is a it is a real possibility. And everyone talks about the European Super League, which I, I do think it's going to be. I think it's going to be coming around eventually. I think it is a case of when, not if, because money will or dictate that my question then becomes what becomes of, of English football because if it's those six teams that go that go away you know the big the big six as is if it's those that leave what's really going to be left for the English Premier League you know Man United are arguably you know arguably the biggest team in are, are the biggest team in the world Liverpool are one of the big teams in the world it's not quite going to be the same having a league season if you take out those six you know replace them with six from the championship and have the Premier League like that the the big draw is probably going to be something like Everton versus Newcastle and Super Sunday just doesn't we, we complain about Super Sunday when it's Burnley v Southampton. When the big game of the season, the title decider, is Everton versus Newcastle at whatever Everton's new stadium is, it's not quite going to be the same. And I think it's it's something that you know doesn't really bear thinking about. No, it doesn't really. I mean, if, say, the big six, I mean, who are even the big six these days, but say six teams left, you probably have you know someone filling the ranks to buffer up to 18 again. But all it would be is a very competitive championship, you know, even more competitive than what it is now. You just have the sign of the levels would be dropping down one further. So the Premier League would be the championship in name and so on and so forth. And it would just be a close shot, wouldn't it? You might get some sort of transition every five years if someone was stinking out the European Super League and they said, look, you know, you need to clear off, get some fresh blood in. But really, I think they'll be putting the ladder up with them, which is could be the case with parachute payments as well, Max, because that's also been um, mooted to be scrapped. 
is this something that needs to sort of go? Is it uh, something that distorts the championship or are they still a vital necessity for those clubs that get relegated out of the top tier? Yeah, um, this is this is a bit of a tricky one. I think parachute payments are important, but not to the current extent at which they exist. Because at the moment, basically, teams are getting so much money from getting relegated that it becomes it becomes a, a viable tactic to do what Norwich did last season, which is basically to get promoted, to to hold your, your purse strings nice and tight, not to spend at all. I think they only spent like 750000 on Sam Byram in the, in the summer transfer window after they got promoted. And to basically calmly and graciously and acceptingly get relegated, knowing that <clears throat> the money that you receive from the, from the parachute payments will be enough to maybe fund a more competitive uh, title charge or promotion charge next time. And basically at the moment, you're giving teams who are coming down from the Premier League who already have an advantage, right, because they've got Premier League experience and probably some Premier League players, you're giving them a bigger advantage over the over um, over the existing advantage they have over the teams that are already in the championship by just like tossing them however much it is, 200 million. I think it's a little bit excessive. And I do understand that being relegated with some players on pretty high wages, you know, you need, there needs to be there needs to be a little bit of support to help them you know, manage that transition because we don't want to see what's happened to, you know, the likes of Coventry and Portsmouth and Leeds before they've come back up. And teams basically really struggling financially because of the the after effects, the hangover from being relegated from the Premier League and still having a load of massively paid players. So I do understand the need for support, but at the moment it's a little bit excessive for me. So Carl, another thing that is set to be scrapped under these plans is the EFL Cup, or if not scrapped sort of in its current guise, no longer. The idea being that if you're in Europe, you won't be in the Carabao Cup. And if the Champions League does expand in four years' time, there's no way a club such as Spurs, for example, could compete in both fronts. There'd be too much football. Yeah, we've said, haven't we, Dan, that, you know, we wondered how long before the EFL or Carabao Cup um, suddenly bites the bullet um, and disappears um, in the Formula League Cup. So... Again, you're, you're sitting here saying, aren't you, that I think, again, in reality, is the disguise here is the big the big clubs are basically saying, listen, for the prize money that's on offer to win this tournament, it really isn't worth us having the fixtures uh, and the headache of scheduling that we get because of it. Um, and that way, based on that, then it, it's a bit of a headache for us and then we can just get rid of it. And then, again, there's less fixtures for us and an ability for us to concentrate on, on the bigger priorities that we've got and also the prizes that bring us a lot more money. Um, and it just, you know, it's who won't want to see something like the League Cup scrapped. But we have said for a little while now, we, we did think it wouldn't be long before this tournament maybe was the one that suffered and was got rid of. Um, and it looks, as we say, under this plan, that is the that is the idea that these big sides want to do and, and they want to get rid of it. And it wouldn't be a surprise that even if this doesn't suddenly get voted for, I still wouldn't be surprised if the League Cup isn't long before it, it, it's over and we've only got the one cup competition in the FA Cup going. Yeah, I think one way or another, the FL Cup, say in 2025, I don't think it's a thing anymore. It might be a posher version of the checker trade, whatever that's called these days, but I can't see the Premier League utilising that competition as a going concern. I think there's too much money elsewhere. And I think with 
once you know hopefully once covid sort of sorts itself out and football tries to regenerate it will be a land grab as to right what really is the money what can we leave behind and i think the efl will have to be the sacrificial lamb in all of that thankfully matthew the playoffs will still be in place for this however there is a change because only fifth place in the championship would be the lowest rank entrant because 16th in the premier league would be that fourth club so this sort of takes the notion of germany and scotland where you could have a actual promotion relegation playoff. Something that they tried in the Football League at the end of the 80s in the top division between one and two. Would you be keen for that to happen? Um, I per- I personally would. Yes, because I would. Because it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's, something, it's something new. You know, I, yeah, I mean, you said, well, I haven't personally experienced it. You said it was back in the late 80s. I was a till 1992. So I don't know what the sort of appetite was for it back then. But I think now the gap between the Premier you know, the bottom of the Premier League and the top of the championship isn't as great as it as it once was. So I don't think it's going to be a foregone conclusion, for instance, that the team that finishes sixteenth in the Premier League in this new eighteen thing. So right now it would be the team that finished seventeenth last year, Aston Villa, in this in this scenario. Yeah. Playing playing the teams coming up from the championship in that situation, I would absolutely have backed Brentford, for instance, to smash Aston Villa off the park. Just because, and it, it, it does offer something new. I don't know if it's going to be a straight, you know, uh, 16th has to play the lowest rank from the championship, or if there's like sort of buys and it's a weekly knockout thing like they do in rugby league uh, and the AFL sort of gradually moving forward. And then basically the team that finishes 16th is basically automatically in the final. I think that could be an interesting way to go about it. But I think it certainly would, I think it would be an interesting end to the season. And yeah, it, it, again, it just offers, it offers something completely new. And the fact that, you know, the teams like in Scotland and Germany and Holland, I think have it as well. The fact that there isn't a cry to, you know, to stop and go back from it kind of gives the indication that this system actually works. So it should be something that we should at least, you know, at least experiment for 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 a couple of years. It probably won't happen because I don't think this this whole thing will will come through. It's it's probably an all or nothing thing, but it it certainly should be something that we should be looking into. Yeah, I think there's two points to take from the playoffs point of view. Firstly, that the playoff final itself in the championship, because there's so much money for the winner, it's almost become a game where no team wants to lose. You know, I think back in the nineties. Cole, you'll remember days of like when Glenn Hoddle was Swindon manager. He had some fantastic like four free matches. You know, Reading, Bolton, Swindon. Oh, they Leicester. were brilliant. Absolutely, it, it was the one game, wasn't it? You looked forward to because you knew it was going to be a barnstormer, and there yeah, were going to be goals left, right, and centre. It, they were they were brilliant games. Yeah, but unfortunately, you don't see them anymore because teams are so scared of losing on the big day. They'd rather just sort of. Uh, squeeze a goal out you know they're not quite the sort of seven goal thrillers that they were so if you took a relegation and promotion sort of elements together you'd have to be sort of going for a win so I think you'd see more football and also if that was to be in place I think the playoff format as Matthew alluded to would be stacked towards the Premier League club so I think they'd certainly get some form of buy I don't think it'd be a straight four goes into two goes into one I think you'd have to have some protectionism like in Scotland where the three championship teams play each other first in the sort of tiered format and then the winner of all that meets the uh, second place sorry second bottom team in Scotland it would be something similar but I think that's the sort of tweak the playoff needs but unfortunately as Matthew says that's not going to be individual they won't go actually that's a great idea on its own let's do it I think unfortunately that only happens if this gets signed off talking of that though Max 
in terms of the Premier League, again, it all sort of depends on what side of the fence you sit on. And for Crystal Palace, although they are considered, you know, a Premier League entity, an established club, shall we say, they do set to be lumped together with the have-nots rather than the haves. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, I mean, basically, the, the have-nots is um, is basically the <laughs> the, the other eleven uh, currently in the division who, who you would traditionally say would finish um, nearer the bottom. But then, even in in the in the haves group, the the likes of West Ham, um, even they say they're they're massively against it. So it would just be a little bit of turkeys voting for Christmas if if the bottom half Premier League clubs, clubs like Crystal Palace, that kind of stature. Um, were were to vote for it, I, I just don't understand why 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 they would do that really. And and it, it does also seem seem odd that you know the 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 proposal talks about long long standing shareholders, long term shareholders, basically you know p- clubs who have been there historically a long time. And there's no mention of Villa or Newcastle, who would probably be about Palace's level. Um, both of whom are featured in the more Premier League campaign, campaigns than Manchester City. So it's not even a division between, you know, the nine that are included and the 11 that aren't. It's not even based on on history or, or the amount of time spent in the Premier League, which is what they're claiming. It's basically just done on money. And 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 I, I, I've got a real problem with that. Um, I, I can't see how, how the, the 14, the, with the current voting format, you need uh, 14 teams in the Premier League to vote for a proposal. I can't see how 14 are going to vote for it because it will just be turkeys voting for Christmas. Well, Carl, from our lofty Spurs supporting chair, we as fans would have a lot to gain from this. You know, we'd be in the box seat. But, you know, with the voting structure as it is, some fans look like they've been seduced by the plans already. think, yeah, brilliant. You know, forget everyone else. It's all about us. But surely this power play from the elite is not the way that football needs to go. No, I'm, you know, and like as you say, Dan, it's very easy to sit there when you're a supporter of one of these clubs that are going to be fine with all of this and go, yeah, I don't care, you know, it doesn't bother me, I'm happy for this as long as we're all right. I'm not in that bracket for me, you know. I I love the English game and the game as we know it. And and as we've discussed, if this is to start what then brings around the end, ending up in a Super League, as, as Matthew rightly said, do we really want to see a Premier League where, you know, as he said, no disrespect to some of those sides, but the glamour ties now are Everton, Newcastle. And and those sides don't get to play Man United, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal, all those great sides that over history and the history around those clubs and, you know, the rivalries that have been built up over the years suddenly disappearing because it's like, yeah, we won a league, but you got to remember, look at the sides that are not in it that, you know, in the past would have been and we probably wouldn't have won it if they're there. I, it, I'm like, yes, Spurs would probably be at the moment within, the, you know, within the top six and those big sides uh, and, you know, we'll benefit from it at the beginning. But I wouldn't like the way this will take the English game and, and what this probably means for its future. So I'm not for none of this. You know, Super League, I'm not interested. I don't want a Super League. We've got a Champions League at the moment, and I think that's that's the best way and that's how it should be. So for me, even though we'd be fine, I don't like this idea at all. And it's not the way I want to see see the game go, because I think if it does go to that Super League, then for me, the domestic game, I think that kind of dies a little and and those emotions and feelings that have been built up over a lifetime of following football just slowly disappear uh, and it just doesn't sit right, to be honest. 
So Matthew, fundamentally, is it a case of if the natural flow of promotion and relegation ceases to exist, you know, if there's some form of artificial barrier, is that, well, I wouldn't say the death knell for football, but as Carl says, will a lot of people just think, do you know what, that's it. I'll go down my local team and watch a bit of non-league. I'm done. I don't, I don't think it, I don't think you'll quite get that desperate. I can't see, even though, for instance, in this situation where, you know, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Arsenal, Spurs and Chelsea, if they all leave, I can't see an Everton fan thinking, right, we 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 know there's no more Merseyside derbies ever for history. I'm going to go watch Tranmere. I don't think it's quite going to get to that stage, personally. I think there are some fans that... The, the, the fans that we have now will probably... will still be there. But I think it's more looking down the line because... If the you know, the top six teams, if that's if if the European Super League is the more prestigious league, as it were, then a new fan who's growing up in you know who's grown up in, in in Merseyside, for instance, you know, will naturally shift towards Liverpool. Whereas in earlier days, it would have been a, a fair fight, as it were. So right now, I think it's fine. But 10, 15 years down the line, when fans start getting older and a new generation of fans comes in, then I think. Then I think that's the problem, and then then maybe the older fans, you know, who then get disenfranchised, will start to think about going for non-league. But I, it's the future generations that I would start to worry about. And again, this all this all comes down to death, you know, the, the death of English football, as it were, and the suffering that's going to go down the lower leagues because the appeal just is isn't going to be there when there is some appeal to it now. Well, Max, if you take what Matthew says, in a sense, aren't we already sort of seeing this? generational shift of fandom, especially in the Northwest. Because if you take Liverpool and the two Manchesters and all the Northwest clubs around them, Oldham, Bury, Blackpool, Preston, there's not enough fans to go around and they're all migrating to the Premier League and those lower clubs are suffering. So I guess we're already there in a sense, but is that sort of problem going to get even worse? Yeah, yeah, potentially, potentially. And, you know, you can just see... Um... <laughs> Even if there isn't a Super League, you can just see the likes of Liverpool and Man United and Man City, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and becoming, you know, even more sizable than the behemoths they already are. And then that is obviously to the detriment of the local clubs, you know, the Berries, the the Macclesfields, the Tranmere's, and 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 those kind of teams. And so it is it is a really good opportunity for us to for us to level up the playing field a little bit. Um, with you know with these bailouts and 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 there's been news today that um, that obviously Macclesfield have been have been uh, taken over, including uh, by by a kind of consortium including Robbie Savage. Um, that news has come out fairly recently, and that's obviously fantastic news. But um, other clubs will follow if we don't make efforts to to support them financially, and so it, that is really important. But we just can't change the the entire fabric of the English system. Uh, just to do that at the same time. Absolutely. So that those clubs mentioned, the lesser ones, you can watch them on the EFL's iFollow service for £10 a game. And this is where the second part of the Premier League headline comes into play. Because, Cole, how is £15 to watch Spurs when they're not on BT or Sky? Have the Premier League read the room completely wrong here? Yeah, I, I think so. And and again, this this is where you just kind of wonder, you know, what interaction these people have with fan groups around um, and, and try to gauge what the general feeling before making a decision would be. Because I can guarantee you now, if you, if you put that offer or that deal 
out to most fan groups, I'm pretty sure they all would have come back and said to you, that is a massive no from us, thank you. Um, you need to relook at this and think about what your plan is. Um, we're in an era where right now, I don't know about you guys, but I probably have about four or five subscriptions on the go to try and watch some football. Um, and, and you're looking at possibly around about £100 a month, aren't you, for your football fix as a football supporter. Now, that is that that is steep um, in anyone's eyes, um, when you, especially when as well when you consider what potentially people in Europe pay for their for their football packages and, and to watch football, and to now turn around and suddenly say to people like that, okay, well now we're going to do this where we put some games on pay per view, um, and you'll have to pay some, you know fifteen pound a game to watch to watch your team. I think that does just suddenly hit the you know the ordinary fan in the pocket again, and I think the ordinary fan is now starting to get very tired of this demand to keep paying for subscriptions to watch games. And all it really does is at the end of the day, and you know, and I'm not afraid to say that I'm one of these people, I will just then look for a stream of that game rather than actually paying that money. Because if it was say six, five, six, you know, seven pounds, um, I'd be tempted to go, well, yet for the quality of stream that I can get by paying that money, I'll pay it. Not a problem. You know, that's maybe a coffee, one coffee a week. But I just think the money they're asking for here is a step too far. And, and the ordinary fan is now getting fed up of this. And, and like I say, I would like to know who they chat to about these decisions because they do just constantly read the room wrong and they end up just pissing football fans off massively. So, Matthew, obviously Carl and I are going to take umbrage to this. But for many others, and I guess this is the clubs that aren't off-selected on BT Sport or Sky... For someone such as a Fulham fan, you're going to feel the pinch even more because I imagine there's going to be even more games on pay-per-view. Yeah, absolutely. Our first three games, for instance, Ooh. after the uh, once this new thing kicks. Sorry, am I too close? No, no, just I'm just doing the math. Forty-five quid to watch three Fulham so, games. So yeah, forty-five. It's forty-five pound for the month for the first three Ooh. things. You no, know, further down the line. If we're, you know, if we have Man City and Man United on TV, then we may get away with it. But these first three games are being paid. And I want to touch on what on what Carl said. You know, if you were, if you do the maths on it, if you pay, you know, a hundred pound a month for your subscriptions, you know, across the year it works out about one thousand two hundred pounds. But then you think of how many games you watch. It probably works out to about, you know, it works out to about. And all the highlights and all the sort of stuff, you're probably paying around one pound fifty per game when you look at it that way. If you watch all the stuff that, if you watch all the stuff that goes on, so if it was five pounds for this, I think most people would would get on board with that. I would, you know, the extra fifteen pound a month in this scenario to watch the three Fulham games, absolutely, I would pay that. But then when you have it fifteen pounds for one game, when you're effectively paying one pound fifty. Then that does then that does get too far, and again in a situation like us, forty five pound for the month, that's just not that's just not for me, and I, I'm I'm going to buy the first I'm going to buy the first one against Sheffield United because I can get that back on a business expense. But further down the line, <laughs> I'm just not I'm just not going to do it because I don't see what the fifteen pound value is. You know when we were back in the championship. Um, you know, there's this I follow thing where you can buy for ten pound a match, or you can get I think the whole season for a hundred pound if you're if you live abroad and all that sort of stuff, or you can get five pound for the month for audio commentary, which I would absolutely be fine with because the money's going directly to the club. And I think that's something that the the um, 
broadcast all that stuff have sort of twindled into this to try and plug the heartstrings because they say once the the setup and the technical costs have been paid then the monies will go directly to the club so for every 15 pounds you pay then seven pound 50 of it goes to the club but you're going to get in a situation when no one's going to or not enough people are going to buy enough to cover the 10,000 say the 10,000 pound you know setup costs and then all of a sudden the clubs are losing money whereas if they got if they went for a cheaper amount and got more fans watching then they be then they be able to do it absolutely it just makes perfect sense doesn't it so you do wonder how the premier league have got this wrong and max i guess you will probably be in the same boat as matthew because the Big Six and probably Leeds, because you know everyone's got Bielsa fandom at the moment, so they'll get whacked on the telly more than usual. They're all going to become severely punished by this, aren't they? All going to become severely what, sorry? Punished. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and teams like Fulham and, and Palace will will be punished by it. But uh, to be honest, that's not that's not top of the thing. Uh, the, the the thing that's 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 annoying me. <laughs> it, it's just generally the the fact that they're trying to that they're trying to monetize the the football fans to, to such a to such a blatant extent it's just exploitative really and listen i do understand that you don't want i don't know the taxpayer to pay it and you don't want you don't expect to be given a product for free like how we had at the start of the season football fans where we were getting you know every game would be streamed live i do understand i'm, I'm not living in cloud cuckoo land i do understand that that can't continue forever and that you know, at some point, we do need to start paying for the for the product. But it's it's just a ridiculous price. And I read the athletic piece um, afterwards explaining it, and then it said the it said the people who decided the prices were were genuinely surprised and and, and shocked at the fury and at the and at the outcry. And I'm thinking, what 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 land are you living on? What planet are you living on that you're surprised that fans are unhappy about about paying 15 quid to watch a single freaking premier league match it's it's just ridiculous 15 quids do you know what i mean P- people are losing their jobs people don't have the money and and when they're already being asked by some clubs including crystal palace to you know crystal palace are saying that you need to pay the price of your season ticket and to basically hold that hold your place hold your seat that you've maybe kept for 15 years you need to pay the cost of a season ticket to hold it for next year that's another expense that's going out the window from clubs asking for money in advance for games you haven't even seen yet and then you're getting you're getting games being streamed to you and we've already seen there have been problems with the likes of um amazon prime streams and things like that and i follow have have had a lot of problems with streams cutting out and stuff like that so you're 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 paying some for something which is a pale imitation of of the product itself of the game of the match and then obviously you know for these people i don't imagine that they've ever been a proper proper football fan i don't know them personally and i'm obviously generalizing but if you're a proper football fan you would understand that you're not only watching the game you're going to the game beforehand you're chatting about it in the pub at your local you're you're talking about your your hopes and your dreams with your mates and and you're sitting next to people and you're saying hi to people and it's a social aspect and it's having a pie and a cup of tea at half time it's it's everything it's everything it isn't just watching the 90 minutes of of kind of joyless soulless soundless premier league football with um with shitty commentary from the likes of Steve McManaman and it frankly I'm I'm just I'm just furious about it and I'm I'm sure that's come across no, it's another fantastic rant. Don't ever apologise for those, Max. But, Cole, 
this illegal streaming, it's only going to become more prevalent. And the Premier League are saying it's fine because we've got this new super block technology, which really is just a case of whack-a-mole again. And really, the streamers, they always win. Yeah, it's right. You know, not being funny. You know, working in IT, I can tell you now, there's nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> these people are not clever enough to be able to get round, work out, and you would constantly be having to change what you're trying to do on the fly all the time. Um, as you say, these people will get round it. There'll be streams out there that everyone can watch, um, and that is what people are going to turn to. And you do just wonder, like as you say. Who is the people at the top who can't make a decision having seen the reaction to say, listen, you know what? We can see the reaction. We're talking to honest people here who are telling us, well, listen, we'll just go and stream it. And like you say, if you think that you're going to be able to block it, then good luck with that one. Um, because we'll soon see how many stream sites are streaming your games. There'll be loads. Um so I then just don't question why those people don't say, OK, right, we've made a massive own goal here. Um, let's have a look, talk, see what people would be willing to pay for. And, you know, as Matthew and the guys have said, if you was only going to charge, say, a five of the game, surely the benefits of doing that and then suddenly realising that you'll have most of the community, football community, going, I'll pay a fiver to watch that game. Yeah, sure, no problem. The money then is coming to yourselves rather than going out of the game. Um, it, it just it just baffles you, doesn't it, as to why these people can't make those decisions, um, realise they've made a mistake and, you know, suddenly come out. Because if they were to come out and say, well, OK, look, yeah, we were going to do this, but we've seen your reaction now. And actually, yeah, OK, we can see what people are saying. And given the times we're in and everything like that, yep, this is now the reviewed cost. People would applaud them more because, you know, everyone, no one's got a problem if people make a mistake and then just hold their hands up. But to try and flatly just go, oh, we don't care. We're still going to do it. And this is what we're going to charge. Again, you're just rubbing people up the wrong way. And again, it just sours football for a lot of people. And it, and it does just turn, turn people off the game. You know, I know lots of football fans who are just becoming disillusioned with the game and how it's run and decisions that are being made. And this is all this kind of thing does. Um, and it is just crazy. Easy talk. Matthew, do you reckon there is scope for a PR spin in all of this or will the Premier League be entrenched with that £15 price tag? No, I, I, I do understand what Carl's saying. It, it goes back it goes back to the Ricky Gervais, uh, Ricky Gervais joke from a couple of years ago. If you did something bad but then proved you did something, you know, his whole thing was, you know, I've never taken, I've never taken drugs. Nobody applauds him. But if you say you were on drugs and then recovered from it, everyone thinks you're a hero. It's the same thing. If Premier League had just come out and said, "Oh, this is five pound," no one would have said a thing. But if they go from fifteen pound to five pound, everyone would say, "Oh, yeah, yeah, you read the room. Brilliant job there. You you finally listened." When really it should have just been five pound, five pound in the first place. I think if they do that, it would, it would be very hard for them to take. I think because it. It will be, you know, tail between their legs. Bases come and say, right, we're sorry, we we really, we really goofed this up. But I think that I think that the powers up because, as you know, as Carl as Carl and Max mentioned, the football people didn't of they obviously didn't create this. You know, they don't have the the knowledge and the sort of thing behind it. So they will stick by it because I'm pretty sure they will say, I'm convinced that enough people will buy this to make it worth it. Even if you have all the, you know, the boycotts and all that sort of stuff, there will be enough people willing to pay it that we, that we can just about get away with it. I want their names and addresses. <laughs> but Max, I'm going to have to play devil's advocate in all of this because it's time to ask some probing questions. 
Now, I know 15 quid is a massive kick in the nuts. There's no doubting that. But from a league point of view, they do have to protect their asset being the screening of fixtures. So I guess we've sort of touched on it at large, but there must be a financial viable way to do this and not piss every football fan off at the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And there is a way in there to do that. And I think um, what's been mentioned by, by a couple of the other guys is that uh, we're just a little bit too far along the sliding scale of kicking fans in the balls. Um, and we need to get slightly more uh, in the middle. So we're giving a bit of financial viability to it and, and helping support the clubs. As you say, the broadcasters aren't earning any profit on it. Um, and and not you know massively pissing off every single fan. Um, and I think somewhere in the middle of in the middle of the, the the price that they've already gone for you know maybe five six seven eight pounds it's a bit more reasonable and then that's a nice balance between um massively pissing everyone off and you're not losing the people to the stream so yeah of course i understand you need to monetize the the matches because you, you can't expect to get them for free of course i completely understand that um but it would be nice if they had the if they had the forethought um, to, to to come up with it, and then now that they've made that decision, it would be nice if they had the the grace and the decency to say, look, we've we've messed up here. Let's let's row back a little bit. Let's adjust what we're doing, and then make it uh, a viable solution for fans and for clubs. So, Carl, what we have to remember is that the Premier League over the last few months they've shown every game, which has been great from an armchair fan, especially in this current climate. But the TV deals in this country. They don't actually stipulate that. You know, all 308 games aren't for sale. So has this early gluttony that we've seen now caused an issue for supporters? Because they've got the taste for it and now they want the lot. Yeah, well, and, and especially while people can't go to grounds, this is going to be the demand, isn't it? You know, I think once obviously we can get some spectators back in grounds and that, then I think, you know, those that can go will go and obviously then they're not so worried. But while there's no supporters in grounds, people want to see their team play. Um, and, and as you say, the fact that we started off down this road, it's a bit like everything, isn't it? Once you start doing something, it becomes the norm and people suddenly get used to it. And then you suddenly expect that because it's now what you're used to. Um, so as you say, I think maybe this was a road that whether they liked it or not, it was always going to go down because once everyone could see every game and let's face it, you know, there'll be some people out there who love the fact that a Saturday or Sunday can be consumed by four or five games and they just stick the telly on at 10 o'clock and say, right, love, you better go out. <laughs> this is me now. Um, you know, I've got five games to get through back to back. Um, they're going to want to continue doing that because people love the game and they're passionate about it and they want to watch it at every opportunity they get. So I do think that, as you say, the fact that we've started here, people, I think, like this idea. They like to be able to see every game. And once that happens, people want that for the rest of the time. Well, this is it, Matthew, because mitigating circumstance or not, there is a sense from some football fans that they now have a divine right to watch all 380 Premier League matches. Now, I don't know the financial cost per game, but for everyone that is not stipulated in the contracts that were signed a couple of years back in this right cycle, that is sort of financial suicide for the Premier League and the broadcasters. Yeah, I think yeah, that is what um, what sort of brought this about. I was reading an article. I think it was I think it was in the Athletic. That was basically saying you know it's stipulated for two hundred and fifty or whatever it is games a year, but now they're on course to give out you know three hundred and eighty games a year. So the Premier League were essentially giving away games for free. So they've got to get so they've got to get the money back somehow. And this is this is the way they obviously 
thought it was going to be. The question is, you know, did they really need to do it? You know, the money that the Premier League makes, what is it? You know, five billion a year, I think, from going back on the Simon Jordan infamous Prem flicks rant. Did they are they really losing enough money that this should have been the way they wanted to go down? Could they not have, you know, um, you know, uh, ask the ask the broadcasters to get more money from these uh, from the sponsors, you know, the showing the games on uh, showing the adverts on TV. I think there were a lot of ways that they could have got the money back if indeed they were losing enough money. I'm not because I don't think the Premier League are going bankrupt because of this. If no one buys the stream, I don't think I don't think the Premier League is going bankrupt. They've got enough money in the bank, so there was obviously something there. But yeah, I, there there were be, there were better ways to go about it than forcing than forcing this issue. Max, would it be more palatable if the Premier League were up front and said, look, a substantial percentage of this is going to be ring-fenced as an EFL fighting fund? At least that way, people would know where the money is going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would be that would be a proposal which would, would really encourage fans because at the moment, it feels like it's a bit of a dark and murky um, backroom deals that, that are happening. And that hasn't been helped by the fact that um, Project Big Picture was clearly... And, and obviously so, so privately, you know, cooked up um, w- without without a lot of people, without the Premier League knowing, without, you know, West Ham, even though West Ham were mentioned in the plan. And and it, that, that just adds to the to the to the mystery and the intrigue around around all of this. So if they come out openly and they say in public, this is what the money is for. This is why we're asking for it. It will go to the EFL teams. I think a lot more fans would would have an understanding of that, but currently people feel as if the the money is already there to help the teams um, to help the teams lower down the pyramids, and it's just not being used for that. And 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 we don't know what what the money is going towards. It just feels like fans are being squeezed for every last penny they have. And obviously in in, in COVID times, that when a lot of people have lost their jobs or been on furlough, it doesn't feel like it's a very good time to be to be doing that. So, a final few questions to loop back to our original point, and I probably think this is the most difficult of all. Carl, you get it, and it is. How much of a duty does the Premier League have to the rest of English football? Yeah, I think when you consider the money that the Premier League earns, then I I think there is a duty to kind of help... to help out um, and and possibly be the leader and, and show that you know they really are thinking of everybody. But then at the same time, you know there, there is some responsibility that needs to be taken by the EFL and the clubs and the way that they're run because, as we say, some of those clubs are run so badly, um, it's, it's unreal. Uh, and actually, you know, you could sit there and say, well, why is it Liverpool and Man United's fault that those clubs lower down are not being run the way they should be? And maybe, the, you know, the EFL need to get hold of that. But I still think when you're looking at the sort of money that's in the game, some of that should filter down so that it helps some of those those sides. Um, and when you consider right now, there's probably lots of clubs, to be honest, that are pretty close to the wall in terms of survival, given everything that's gone on with COVID and that then I do think, you know, when you've got the sort of money there is there floating about, it, sh- it should be used for the benefit of the game as a whole and help some of these sides out when they need it. But there is, there say, there is an element where we do need to put more pressure on the EFL to make sure those clubs are being run financially viable, that they don't need that help. Well, this is the next point to Matthew, because the Premier League can say to the EFL, look, you need to get your house in order. If we're going to give you any form of assistance, 
things need to change. But at the same time, the EFL can say, look, the only reason that we are out of order is that we're trying to chase the promised land and all that money and that bad financial planning that goes into it is creating such shaky foundations. Yeah, and I think this is a point I addressed um, when we were talking last year, when we were talking about Berry and uh, Bolton and their situation. I think that there is some responsibility from, you know, the powers that be, the, the Premier League, the EFL and the FA. There is some responsibility to help them out. But at the same time, I don't think they should be seen as the fallback as the fallback option. You know, take you know, take it to, to Macclesfield, say, who, you know, who went under. Is it really Manchester City's job to say, you know, if Ma- if Macclesfield get in trouble, OK, we'll bail you out? Because then that's just giving licence to any club up and down the country to say, um, for, for the sake, for the sake of my argument, uh, Boreham Wood, for instance, up in, up in North, uh, Northwest London, if they are in financial difficulty, they can just say, it's okay. Watford, who are just down the road, they'll help us out with the, you know, 10,000 we need to survive. I think clubs, you know, should be allowed to be run badly. If, if you see, if you see what I'm getting at, otherwise it's not really, you know, 92 clubs. It's just, one overseeing powerful thing so help them out by all means but don't see but don't see it as as the all as the all-powerful rescue package otherwise there otherwise there's really no risk sort of associated with that and it, it does get a little bit i don't want, i don't want to say boring because i don't want, it's not exciting to see a club go out of business but you you see why you see why you, you see where i'm coming from it it isn't up to them to save them long term and just keep bailing them out. Want is fine, but long term, you have to be able to fight for yourself. Yeah, I mean, as harsh as it sounds, and you don't ever want to see a football club die because one is too many, but there does need to be an element of sink or swim because you can't just have the big clubs bailing out everyone all the time because then there's no deterrent, shall we say? You know, there's no um, real desire or need to sort of have good financial planning because you just think, okay, well, there'll be a bailout eventually from one of the big clubs. So, you know, it's really, really difficult. And it's not a case of, you know, they're fine. They can sort of, you know, swim against the tide and eventually sink. But at the same time, it's where financial... It's basically where you draw the line. And I guess the question, Max, is that for a championship team, although they are in the second tier, they might actually have the most to lose because with bigger wages and no fans, you know, there's much more financial internal pressure on those 24 clubs. And when you look at them collectively as a case study in the league, you'd have to say that is the worst case of financial planning in terms of prudence because the bloodbath that could be happening if funds don't go their way could be a disaster. Yeah, it very much could be. It very much could be. And you're right, because obviously the smaller clubs, League One and League Two, which are maybe more reliant on fans as a percentage of their income, obviously that's a problem. But then you're right, that the teams in the championship are buying... Premier League players, level players on some occasions for Premier League money with Premier League wages. And if you don't get into the Premier League with that plan, you are screwed. You are in in a whole lot of trouble. Like if Wolves hadn't got promoted after they'd signed, you know, Ruben Neves for 15 million, if he turned out to be a dud, like Nottingham Forest bought, um, bought a player for 15 million a year ago or two years ago. And, and if they... And, and, and that kind of spending has been replicated elsewhere. And if teams like that don't go up, it, it's a massive risk. It's a massive risk. Um, it, it's like it's like playing Russian roulette, really, with the with the kind of with the kind of spending that, that's happening. And it could be that we see a lot of teams in the championship 
go go boom or bust. And obviously, it's in the minority that are going to get promoted. And and a lot of teams, I think, we're going to see are going to be in financial trouble. With regards to the to the responsibility, I think I'd like to echo what what the other guys said is that there isn't. You know, it can't just be free reign for clubs to spend whatever they want way beyond their means, knowing that they've got um, the fallback of a, of a bailout from, from bigger clubs. And you obviously don't want to see teams um, fail financially, but there has to be an element of, um, of, of leaving it up to the management to do it. What I would like to see is stricter ownership rules, because what happened with Wigan um, Wigan Athletic. That was a real, real shame based on basically some shady businessman getting access to the club way too early, using it for nefarious purposes. And Wigan have now been relegated and their whole team's broken up. And, and it's a real shame. Um, so I'd like to see tighter ownership to maybe to maybe stop doing that. And people say, oh, well, you know, the money isn't there in the Premier League. Premier League clubs spent 1.6 billion euros in the last transfer window. So, yeah, the money is there. Wow. I didn't know it was that much. Bloody hell. I mean, like you say, Wigan, I think it's a disgrace more than a shame, really. But I think that's uh, another topic for another episode because we've hit full time. And that is episode 99 out of the way. You know what comes next week? The Big 100. I'm not sure if it's going to be any sort of extra celebration. I'm not sure if we're going to get a cake or anything. But it's a landmark all the same. So before we get to that one, I need to do the admin for this one. Starting with Max, a sterling effort as always. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Yeah, thanks very much. Hopefully I won't be ranting about something else for 20 minutes next week. No, it's not a problem at all, mate. I love it. So, Matthew, excellent work as always, and thanks for your time. Yep, no worries. Pleasure as always. Cheers, mate. And, Carl, the captain's arm band is going nowhere. I hope you'll join me for the Big 100 next Tuesday. Oh, definitely, mate. Looking looking forward to it um, and can't wait. You know, hopefully, given the way the Premier League's been going at the moment, well, I'm no doubt we'll have plenty of goals to talk about again. Yes, fingers crossed, mate. Right, with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is The Real Football Cast. And until next time, goodbye. Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.